welcome back to the What The Fork podcast in association with Viper Goalkeeping. Today's guest is the closest thing Scotland have ever produced to Andrea Palo as Aberdeen midfielder. Dylan Georg, how are you doing? You all right? How you doing? All right. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Good intro? Aye. I'll do the job. <laughs> aye. don't know how true that is, but aye, I'll take it. <laughs> um, I think if, kick off straight away with sort of the most recent stuff. Um, we are going to go through your career, as you probably know, but um, yep. joined Aberdeen in January. How much have you enjoyed your time there and how's lockdown been for you? Yeah, it's been good. Obviously, um, I've decided to come back up the road and Derek McInnes was keen to get me for a few years. So I was um, I was happy to come up and work with him and I knew how desperate it was to get me in. So it's looking good. Um, getting some more game time that I, I kind of needed and obviously we had to shut down with this uh, coronavirus. So um, it wasn't a good timing really for the football front. Um but um, my missus was due um, just before the lockdown as well. So we had a, a little girl just the day before lockdown. So it's been um, it's been tough, but it's been good as well. Obviously, I get to spend a lot of time with the baby and stuff and help out um, about the house and that. So it's kept us busy, um, but obviously tough times as well. And uh, I'm not going to thank you too much because obviously you're saying you've, you've just had a kid there as well and I'm, you've made my missus broody. I'm not going to thank you for yeah. that, mate. All right, you've got me in trouble. <laughs> Um, a yeah, a little bit, mate. Yeah, Derek McInnes, obviously incredibly highly rated. Almost came to Sunderland sort of a year before Jack Ross did. Funnily enough, yeah. but what has he brought to your game sort of over the past three, four months? I know it's early days, but what has he brought to your game? I think just um, kind of belief again. Like obviously Sunderland near the end, I wasn't really involved much, and you kind of no doubt yourself a wee bit, but you kind of you lose the kind of the competitiveness like just training Monday to Friday and not playing so I think just coming up and feeling a part of things again just that kind of feeling welcome and feeling now as I said but just a part of the kind of the team and stuff like that you know that you're training towards getting yourself in the team at the weekend so I think that was kind of key for me and just a, a new challenge as well obviously things never really worked out Sunderland and um, I was just kind of keen to get, get back playing and join football again so I think obviously I never got a lot of time before this the shutdown. Obviously we only get maybe a month or two, but in the short time it's it's been good, and I'm looking forward to the future as well. Talking about um, obviously your time at at Sunderland and stuff like that as well. Um, as you say, it did sort of in a way sort of tail off, but you did also move back to Aberdeen. Obviously, who are a club that can challenge for European football. How much was the thought of getting back into the Scotland squad part of that move as well? Yeah, it was. It was obviously I knew when I was at Hibs a few years back that I played well enough to get myself in the squads and stuff like that and get a few games so I knew obviously um, if, you, if you go out to Aberdeen and you do well they're, they're always up there finishing maybe third the last few years and stuff like that so you know if you got there and produce that you, you find yourself maybe um, not guaranteed in the squads but you know you'd be looked at anyway in, in contention um, so hopefully in the future if I can get myself playing regularly with Aberdeen and playing well there's um, hopefully get to the standard where I think I can I can get to, then I can put myself in the kind of in the window where hopefully I can be considered and be um, be looked at. Going back to sort of your childhood then, and going back over your career, going all the way forward and all the way back. Um, yeah. Born in Glasgow, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Glasgow boy. Yeah. Which part? A uh, place called Parcel Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's no far from city centre. Mm-hmm. So I uh, born there and then brought up in Milton, which is just up the road from it, really. So, 
yeah. obviously being born in Glasgow, you know, as everyone knows, um, I lived in Glasgow for almost a decade, only recently moved back, love the place. Um, but it's very much a, a football-centric place. It's crazy on football. So what are your like earliest memories of falling in love with football, I guess? Well, obviously, I've, I was born in a big Celtic family. Um, obviously, as early as you can kind of run about and stuff like that, walk about, you've always had a ball at your feet. Always watching the games, obviously sitting in the house, my dad and his mates and stuff, watching the games, watching the Celtic games and stuff like that. So just obviously always had an interest in football. And I had an older brother as well. It's um, He's a few years older than me and he was, um, he was involved in football as well. So as far as I can remember, all was football in our house, either watching it or playing it in the living room or anything at the back. It was just always always had a ball at our feet. So it was nothing nothing else for us. It was just all the football in the house. Who was your heroes growing up then? Which sort of midfielders were you were watching as you were growing up at Celtic and maybe outside of Celtic as well? Yeah. I wouldn't really say positional wise, but obviously the, the when I was growing up the main the main guy when I was old enough to kind of real uh, understand football was Henry Larson obviously. Um, he was obviously the top man at Celtic and Martin New Year's so um, I think he was my kind of my my idol growing up that when I kind of got to an age where I understood football and watched yeah. it more often um, so yeah I, I would say Andrew Larson to be honest Were you always a midfielder growing up boy? Because you mentioned there obviously maybe not positionally but I think your position's changed in your career you were like attacking sort of sometimes yeah. on the wing to more like the number four now so growing up were yeah. you a centre forward or a midfielder or I actually I used to play when I was at Celtic youth team I used to play um, as a striker believe it or not and I used to actually like I used to do pretty well I used to score quite a lot of goals like I think just as I got older and stuff like that just um, when I went back to Celtic when I was kind of first team um, the only time I was going to get some game time was maybe on the wing they may have gave me some game time at the end of the games he would put me out wide um, because obviously we were so strong in the middle of the park with some of the names that were there so I was never going to break in through through the middle of the park. So the game time I did get, I was usually kind of more to the right. And then eventually when I went to Hibs, I had more of a chance of kind of playing and breaking through into that kind of middle of the park. So just started playing the middle of the park and then sitting midfield and then just kind of from there, it's always been maybe that kind of, as you said, number four, number six role. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how, how it planned out. With the, the Celtic, uh, Celtic Academy at the time, obviously, I think with Celtic and probably with Rangers as well, there is a lot of players that get produced on a consistent basis that go on to have a career, if not with Celtic, with someone else in a, you know, a good club. But who are the players yeah. that were coming through um, in your sort of age group or a year above or a year below? Which which players kind of came through with yourself? Well, the one that's playing now is Cal McGregor. He was in my team growing up. Yeah. You were always in the same youth team who's doing really well now. Um Obviously, a few others are playing at different levels and stuff like that. Um, but as you said, not everybody also makes it to go and play first team through the youth. But the education you get and the coaching and the principles of football is great, to, I think, to have. to move on. Even if you're moving on to other clubs, you always kind of have the standards and stuff like that. So it was a good learning good learning club for everybody, even boys that never made it as high a level. Yeah, I'm sure that took a lot from it as well. Regarding your time at sort of super youth level, I don't know how far back I'm going here, but you were on the books of Rangers for a little while as well, weren't you? Did you have a spell at Rangers for a bit? Yeah, I was. Yeah, when I was still youth level, um, 
I was leaving Celtic because my older brother was leaving as well and had a wee fallout and stuff like that with some coaches. So I was I was young enough that it wasn't too serious. So as a family, they kind of decided that I would move on as well. And obviously for us, where I stay, Murray Park was literally five minutes away from, from the house and they were keen. So I out and spoke to them. Um, and to be fair, as much as a big Celtic family we were, my dad was still like, whatever's best for you and your career. He wasn't like, we had a lot of kind of mates and stuff like that, like question it, like, well, how could you go to Rangers and stuff and you're that mega Celtic fan? But for me, it was, and my family, it was all about what's best for us. And to be fair, this, maybe three, four years I had at Rangers, I loved it. Loved yeah. every minute of it. Treated me really well. Great club. Like, everything about it. Facilities. They, they fought really well with me. And as I said, I loved my time there. But I think when the time came, when it got a bit more serious and I was doing well, and obviously Lennon showed an interest again and go back, it was a kind of, it was hard to kind of turn that down being a Celtic fan and growing up. That was your boyhood heroes, you know what I mean? So that was the only opportunity I was going to get. If I, if I, if I stayed and played maybe reserves first team with Angels, I, I probably would never got that chance again. So it was kind of one of the moments where it was like, it was never, never. And obviously it really took the leap to go. Talking about your time at Celtic and Rangers at youth level, who were the coaches that influenced growing up, I suppose? Yeah, well, when I was obviously a lot a lot younger, it was like Martin Miller and stuff. And I think at Celtic, I think if anybody that's been and worked under Martin would say the same thing. Probably the best coach at that age that they've ever came across. He's excellent for like young kids and stuff. Um, and at that time, he was amazing for us. Um, and then as I got a wee bit older, I went went to Rangers and stuff and um, had Billy Cutwood and stuff, who was at Rangers, and Ali Dawson and Alec Cleland, who's at St. Johnson now. Yeah. People people that played the game at a good level and understood it and were great for us and really kicked on. I think my my career kind of really kicked on at Rangers, like when I kind of started making an impression and people kind of watching and stuff. So, yeah, they they were really good. Talking about um, you know, your time at Celtic, you talked about Neil Lennon before. You made your Scottish Premiership debut under him. Um, yeah. What are your memories of your debut and, and what Neil Lennon said to you sort of before the first game? To be honest, I was on the bench a few times before my first game I got on. Yeah. This week, because I knew I was close. And then um, I think it was Motherwell away. Yeah. Um, Motherwell away. We were, um, I think we were, it was, we were winning, but it was... Um, maybe 2-1 or 1-0 or something. It was last 10 minutes or something like that. And he shouted me to get ready. And I was like, right, here we go, this is it. And um, thankfully my dad and my brother and stuff were at, were at the game at Motherwell because um, they knew I was getting closer and they were at every, every game to kind of wanted to see it. Um, and then I got on, to be fair, and it was, it was great. It was only maybe five, ten minutes, but um, it was that was, that was enough for me and my family. Like we'd, we'd done everything that we wanted, to be honest, as soon as I got on the pitch. And then obviously the week later, my home debut at Parkhead um, is with the one where I like I scored a goal and stuff against St Mirren and it goes on to get goal of the season and stuff like that. So that week was a bit surreal to be honest and yeah. something I'll never really forget that week to be honest. I think with that goal, you're writing what you're saying, obviously your second game, Yeah, I think you beat about four or five players to do it as well. Do you think... Uh, like, if you'd say you'd been in the team about, like, 10 to 20-odd games, do you think you would have kind of had the confidence to go on and do that? Or do you think nah, sometimes nah. when you first start, you just think, I'm going to just try it? 
fresh raw. It was a wee bit of nerves as well, like I think because it was my kind of first game, like a part of and stuff. It was like I think I kind of got a wee bit scared about like making the wrong pass, so I kind of just kept going and going. And before I know it, I'm I'm up near the goal, and I was like, right, I better try to score here. Like um, it was kind of as you said, if I played like twenty games or whatever, I probably would have lifted my head and passed the ball and been more relaxed. I think I was just a bit running on adrenaline, really, and thankfully, obviously. It goes in the back of the net, but it was just kind of more instinct more than anything, to be honest. When you score a goal like that, does it heap more pressure on you as a, a young lad, or do you just not really think about it? You just think that's the kind of start you could dream of, now is kind of yeah. going to settle down and plough on? I think now, looking at it, at the time, I never really realised. Like I was just like, oh, but I went and scored. But now I look back, like the pressure that you probably, I probably put myself through doing that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like because all everybody's like, "Wow, who's this wee guy?" Do you know what I mean? And like fighting, you can do that all the time. That like, that's the sort of player. Do you know what I mean? And it's and obviously you're not going to score goals like that every week. So before knowing it, I've probably put a lot of pressure on myself. And but then again, it gave me confidence as well. Do you know what I mean? As in the same token, so it's kind of six and a half a dozen. Really, it's just about dealing with that pressure in it and kind of yeah. the best you can. Talking about Neil Lennon, I've read so many things about him. It's kind of like a weird admiration I have for him because I know he's kind of Marmite sometimes, but the thing with Neil yeah. Lennon is for a man that's got so much pressure and so much, like, he gets so many pelters, he still stands tall with his chest out. Like, what's he like to play under? To be um, at Hibs, he was, um, I feel as if, like, even when he was at Celtic the first time and when he was at Hibs and stuff, he wears his heart in his sleeve. I mean, you know what you're going yeah. to get off him. You're going to get everything and he demand everything. And he gets the best out of his players. You can't argue with that. Do you know what I mean? Everywhere he's went. Maybe a wee spell at Bolton where it never really worked out. But everywhere else, it's worked out. Do you know what I mean? And he's got the best of his team. Even our Hibs team. Wasn't he like any big, big names and stuff like that? We're all young lads. Yeah. Just want to do well. He got the best out of his and we ended up doing pretty well and played well under him. So, um, I think I think now he's been back to Celtic. He's kind of, when I watch the games, he's kind of calmed down a wee bit, I would say. Like on the touchline and stuff, I think he's realised that he's kind of trying to control some some of his emotions and that. Like, but you you'll not get that out of him. Do you know what I mean? And that's how he gets the best of his players when he's up and down that touchline and fighting for his players and demanding for his players. And I think you see the best the best of him and his team. Is there an element with like Neil Lennon? I think I looked at um you look at managers who are famously sort of quite outspoken, and sometimes likes of Roy Keane and stuff like that. And, you know, I spoke with a few Sunderland players about the time under Keane. And they said he'd run and rave on the touchline and in the dressing room. But if he give you the kind of thumbs up and the wink and, like, you've done well, it just made you feel 10 yeah. times taller than maybe uh, a manager that you're best friends with. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would. I think you were always kind of... No, I wouldn't say scared. Scared's a strong word. But you were always, mm-hmm. like, trying to please him. I mean, you were always trying to please him. And you knew if you, if you didn't win, if you drew or could beat, you knew after the game, like, he's going to go mad, do you know what I mean? And you were always trying to impress him. You were never just doing well and just cruising, do you know what I mean? Even when you were doing well, he was still demanding and still not letting you take the foot off the gas in training and games and stuff. He was always making sure that he's getting 100% with his players. And I think it works, do you know what I mean? I do think it works for him. Obviously, there's a lot of teams and players that react to somebody putting an arm around them and kind of just been all nice and icy but I think with him 
that the way the way he manages and stuff like that, that eventually the, the results come, do you know what I mean? Because the players want to do well and they know that anything other than one isn't good enough. Yeah. With um, talk about leaders, I mean, obviously Neil Lennon's the the boss, but the someone you played alongside an awful lot, especially during 2012-13 season when obviously you won the league. Um, Scott Brown, iconic captain, yeah. you can't deny it. What's he like to play like as a captain? Because I know looking at him, he looks like he's the one of the most focused people on the planet. But like, what is he actually like in the dressing room? I think Bruni's probably is probably the best captain I've played under, like by far. Like he's He's everything you would want for a captain, to be honest. He's obviously a, a winner. He's won everything for many years. He's always there. He's always fit. But even, I think, away from football, he's one of the best guys you'll meet in football. Like, off the pitch, he's, like, everybody's best mate. Always up for a laugh. Everything about him, do you know what I mean? All for the boys. Like, if you need something, you'll go and fight your corner, anything. And um, I think he's, he's a modern-day captain, to be honest. And... Um, as you said, he's really focused. You see him before the games on the camera and stuff. It's like a light switch. He's far carry on before the game, and then it gets to like the warm up and stuff, and that's him. Like he's in the zone, and you can see it. And he gets the best of his, um, gets the best of the boys around him as well. And um, still good mates with Bruno. Still speak to him and stuff like that. And he's a great guy. And um, he's obviously he's doing really well. He's played for X amount of years at the top level. So. Um, it's credit to him as a, as a guy and a player. As a player that's a few years younger, obviously you're friends with him now and you've you know you've known him numerous years. But is he the kind of captain or the kind of person that you can still go to? You know, maybe say when times were getting tough at Sunderland, you could go to for advice and things like that. Still, ah, uh, easy. If I picked up the phone, he would he would always answer. I mean, he's one of the guys. He's as I said, he's a top guy and he's no one. Now, once you leave a club, that you no speak to you again and stuff like that, like still come in contact with each other on that and um obviously not as much now because it's been a few years but still like if I picked up the phone and phoned them he would be he would happily pick it up and listen and give you advice if you needed it. So um he, he is a top guy. I couldn't speak high enough of him. I think everybody that knows Bruni or said the exact same things. He's one of the good guys in football. You would have been part of the squad with uh, Lee Griffiths as well, right? A wee, I, a wee brief spell, I no long. Um, I think I was just kind of leaving when he came in. Um, but I had a, wee, a, a couple of months with him, I would say. Obviously a great striker. And I think over lockdown, one thing that's kind of kept me entertained, and I don't even like TikTok, but it's Lee Griffiths' TikToks, because <laughs> he just seems like a great character. Short amount of time that you we were with him, but how much fun is he to have in the dressing room as opposed to maybe the opposite of Brownie and the, kind of the joker, the, the fun guy? He is. He, obviously, I didn't spend a lot of time with him, but... And it was when he just kind of came to Celtic. So I wouldn't say he was as bedded in. Do you know what I mean? He was still getting yeah. a new signing and stuff. But you could see, obviously, I was at Hibs and stuff like that. So I know kind of his mates and stuff through in Edinburgh, where he's from. So I've came across him a good few times. And you can see his character. Do you know what I mean? He's bubbly and he's always up to something. And obviously, I follow him on Instagram and stuff like that. And his TikToks have been great. Keep us entertained. Um, but uh, he's, he's obviously a top player as well. And he's... Yeah. he's Hopefully, he can get back to that level where he was at a few years ago. Yeah, I'm sure he will. I think he's. I think yeah. just before lockdown, it was starting to come back, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. You, you, yeah. you touched on Hibs a little bit there, and I think if we're honest with each other, that was kind of where your career really began to flourish when you first went for the the loan spell and then obviously moved permanently. Um, yeah. 
Alan Stubbs potentially hasn't had the best time recently with like St. Mirren and Rotherham and stuff like that, but obviously yes. held in really high regard at Hibs and you built a really good team with people like, you know, Cummins, yourself, John McGinn. How much did you enjoy playing under Alan Stubbs? Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, to be fair. That was my first kind of spell of playing regularly. Obviously, I was at Celtic, I was kind of in and out of the team, wee bits and end of games and stuff like that, 15 minutes here and there. But when I went to Hibs on loan, it was my first like taste of proper football. Now, first team football. Um, and he, he loved me, to be fair. He played me every time, every every game I was fit and stuff like that. He played me and we were successful. Do you know what I mean? We ended up going on to win the Scottish Cup, which for a Hibs fan was the biggest thing for them. Um, and made great memories and yeah Stubbsy it was great it was great with all of us to be fair he was one of the boys it was like I remember like some nights out and stuff like that he would turn up and we'd have a few beers and stuff like that with the manager and it wasn't awkward now sometimes managers are there it's a bit awkward and stuff it was just like he was just one of the guys and um, the boys wanted to do well for him and themselves so yeah he was he was great for us at Hibs to be fair Talking about your time at Hibs how important was your role in being the DJ with Grado and, and uh, Comdog yeah. as, he, as he came was came to know? Right, <laughs> uh, that was legendary. That. Basically, the whole thing behind that was I, I've got a few mates from Glasgow who who are a bit off off their heads a wee bit, right? They love like they love a drink and mad nights out and stuff. So they'd been to a few shows, Grado, but yeah. only he was only small back then. Like he was only doing like kind yeah. of community halls and stuff like that. It was quite small, but they would go and have a laugh. So I showed Cummins before. I was like, oh, this guy from Glasgow, he's a wrestler. He comes out to um, this song and all that, right? So he he was loving it. Cummins was loving it. And we'd watch some of his videos and that. And then we found out one day that he was in, he was coming in. So we're like, oh, no way. But the funny thing was, Cummins missed training that day with a bad back. Like, he had a sore back. So he wasn't training. So, and I was indoors for something. And then we found out he was out training. So... When he came in, I said to him, I went, go and get your rent, like your, your slips in that one and have a wrestle with him for a laugh. So, next minute, you've probably you've seen the video, obviously. Yeah. Song on, the theme song on, and Grado's sitting having his lunch, Lennon and all that, all the players. And the two of them start having a wrestling match. And you can see at the end, Cummins has got him in between his legs, lifting him up, <laughs> lifting him up, puts him over his head. And, and the, like, he missed training that day with a bad back, so I was happy <laughs> Honestly, it was you couldn't make it up, but uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, some commons up to be fair as well. Like always up for a laugh, and it's good for the dressing Yeah, I was going to say like Cummins seems like although his career has been around a little bit, and he maybe hasn't reached the heights of what I suppose he would maybe personally hopes recently. He's still young and and whatnot. That can change, but his character just seems like completely infectious. How how much fun is he to have in the dressing room? Ah, uh, he's great. He's great. Obviously, you, if you heard stories not about him. I can see why people maybe like say some bad stuff in that about him. Like, but mm-hmm. if you actually get to know him as a person, he's 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 harmless. He's just always wanting to have a laugh. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes I might get involved with some wrong people, get involved in some stuff that he probably shouldn't have been doing. But more often than not, everything he's doing is harmless, and he's always up for a laugh and just want to make the boys laugh. Do you know what I mean? And enjoy himself. So, yeah, I still speak to him regularly as well. Um, Cummins. Um, great guy and as I said he was always up for a laugh and he was, he was harmless sort of back onto the pitch I suppose the biggest thing about your time at Hibs and you were sort of touching it a little bit already but the cup win 
great game that I remember quite well. Um, obviously, you win it right at the end with David Grace scoring the header. Probably yeah. the biggest moment in Hibernian's recent history, but what are your yeah. memories of the day itself? So, the anniversary, wasn't it? Um, just obviously in May there. Yeah. Um, and I think Stubbsy put a, thing, a tweet out. I don't know if you've seen it, but saying about... So, the, the week before, I tweet my groin the week before. So, I was like a major doubt the whole week leading up to the game. And it was touch and go if I was going to make it or not. Um, but obviously, I was desperate to play. And then um, Stubbsy spoke to me in the morning. He said, how are you and stuff? And I said, well, I feel okay. But it's one of the things where I could do it in the warm-up and have to like make a sub. Or I could play 90 minutes and be fine. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, at that time, I was having problems with my groins. Um, so it was touch and go, really. And I, and I said, I don't want to be making a sub after 10 minutes, do you know what I mean? And it, yeah. and it causes harm to the team. So I'd rather you make the decision, do you know what I mean? And you can stick by it, do you know what I mean? If you want to take the chance. And thankfully, he did and he started me, do you know what I mean? And um, and, and I got through the game, all right. And I played the full game. So that is something, like, I look back on. I was, like, buzzing that he, he, he stuck by me and he trusted in me. And, and I kind of got through the game, do you know what I mean? To be part of that day. Um, but that's, that's something that always sticks in my head when I think back to that day. But and then obviously, like the goal and the way the way the game went and the celebrations after and heading back through Edinburgh and stuff like that. It's just memories that'll love you forever. I think. Did you ever feel like with like say ten minutes to go? Did you feel like ever feel like the game was slipping away from you or anything like that? Or did you always feel like you were going to get back into it? Because Stokesy was on fire that day, wasn't he? Ah, it was. I Stokesy was unplayable. To be fair, um, but. To be fair, the Rangers were a good team, like good possession team and stuff like that. They passed the ball well. Um, but we were 2-1 down and obviously you're thinking the longer it goes on, the less chance obviously you've got to win in this and you kind of start to doubt a wee bit. But I think we got a few counter-attacks like where we kind of got opportunities. And then I think when it goes to each, we were the team that was kind of, we knew that we were going to probably go on and win the game just the way we scored and kind of took the window to the sale a wee bit so obviously Dave Gray goes up and pops in the winners and, and then the rest is history really but uh, you always a wee, a wee slight doubt that you might not get back into it but we, we got there in the end and thankfully we did Talking about uh, the Hibs team at that time you know you look through the plays and it's no real surprise that Hibs went into the, the Scottish Premiership and handled it fine despite the fact they had yeah. like three years or so in the championship but the standout name if we're completely honest with each other is most definitely your, your midfield partner John McGinn um, someone that I've rated yeah. highly for years but I didn't even I, even I didn't think he was as good as he actually was but could you always yeah. tell he was going to go right to the top playing alongside him yeah obviously John done excellent since he was down the road and the thing is like you don't know how well somebody's going to do until they actually go and do it it's alright saying Especially, when I think, they moved down to England. Do you know what I mean? Like, the way they see it is like, ah, he's done well in Scotland, but can he do it down here? So it's always, always, like, you think, can he? Do you know what I mean? But yeah. playing beside him, you knew he's got the attributes that he could go and do well, do you know what I mean? And then the rest was up to him, really. And to be fair, he got his opportunity and he's grasped it with both hands. Um, done really well. But, yeah, obviously, we had a great a great partnership and relationship as well as mates. Like, we still speak regularly and... We shared a flat together when we were at Hibs and just that kind of, we were just, as I said, that addressing them at Hibs, we were all just mates, do you know what I mean? And there was no big time Charlies, there was nobody on crazy amounts of money, it was just, everything was just about 
want to do well for each other and ourselves and the team. So it was a great time and obviously we knew John was doing excellent, do you know what I mean? And he's kicked on again and done really well. Talking about that time you had at Hibs as well, I mean, I remember it really well, obviously, because I was living in Scotland at the time and I think it was almost like the Scottish Premiership wasn't as exciting as the Scottish Championship because you had like Hibs, you had Hearts, you had Rangers. Um, you know, around yeah. that time, do you feel like it was yeah. almost more competitive in the Championship than it was sort of the Premiership at that point? I think so, I I think obviously Celtic were still going and winning the league and Aberdeen were challenging them, but they were still winning the league with near the end, like maybe like 15 to 20 points. You know what I mean, yeah. so as I said, it wasn't maybe as competitive near the end, whereas when we were kind of going, going near the end in the championship, you still had, I think Hearts, to be fair, ran away with a wee bit, but you still had the derbies and stuff that everybody loved. Yeah. Um, and then Hibs and Rangers was a big match. Hearts and Rangers was a big match. And then when we, all, all the games, I mean, were big, as you said, all going for that league. Um, so it was, and then obviously the playoff system as well, with us and the Rangers and then all that kind of stuff. So it was it was a good time for the championship. Um, and then obviously we all get promoted one year after the other, but um, it, was, it was an exciting time really. Yeah, it really was. I think I used to tune into the championship games ahead of the SPL games at the time. It was, uh, a, it was a cracking yeah, time. Good to watch. It was, it really was. Um, as it was, like you said yourself, you know, you did get promoted back to the Premiership with Hibs. You played consistently in the first season back in the, the Premiership with them. I think you won Player of the Year, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yeah. But then 2018, you moved to, to my club, you moved to Sunderland. What made you choose Sunderland? Because you were, you were in big demand at that point. Championship clubs were chasing you as well, as far as I'm aware. I think, as you said, yeah, I had a good season at Hibs and won the Player of the Year and stuff like that and got in Team of the Year for Scotland and all that kind of stuff and made my debut with Scotland uh, and Mexico and stuff. So it was great. It was a great season I had. And then really just kind of sat down with my agent and just went through a few different options and stuff. And Jack Ross was really keen. He just obviously took the job and he was just like, come down and see the place, do you know what I mean? And speak away, speak to me and stuff. So me and my agent went down and to be fair, as soon as we seen the facilities and the stadium and the size of the club, do you know what I mean? We were like, ah, this, this feels good. And I think everybody was optimistic about if we can get this club back up that year, playing with Sunderland in the Championship would probably topple anybody else in the Championship, really, like the size of the club, do you know what I mean? So really I had my eyes set on the year or two as well after that. So that was kind of a major uh, thing for me, like going there. If we can get this club back up a level and then go again, do you know what I mean? It potentially could go again, do you know what I mean? So that was always in the mindset and the size of the club, the fan base, everything, the facilities. So, and then Jack Ross coming from coming from up here, going down the way, and they knew my game and stuff like that. So, I kind of ticked all the boxes. But obviously, hindsight, it's um, we we never went up and stuff like that. And it was you think like ah, like it never really worked out. But you never know that. Do you know what I mean that's the kind of thing with football? You never know and. You need to just kind of make decisions on that time. With uh, the move at the time, I, had, I, I want to say it was Blackburn, but I can't really remember. But were there other like championship clubs and clubs above Sunderland that were like offering you contracts at that point as well? I wouldn't really say offering contracts. I think the whole thing, like with England, I think the way they look at Scottish football sometimes, it's a bit like uh, it's no great league and no great football and stuff like that. So you might not be able to do it down here and stuff which I can get sometimes because there has been Scottish boys up and down and not done well. and But then again, on the same hand, there's been boys up and down and done really well. So yeah, you can't really 
judge everyone, so I mean, so it's kind of frustrating that way that everybody was looking at it as a kind of mm, don't know if he can do it down here. Yeah, a good season. Do you know what I mean? So that was a wee bit frustrating, but there wasn't really full on offers. Do you know what I mean? It was just kind of because it was a free contract as well. It was kind of like I will we'll, we'll, we'll have a look and stuff like that, and nothing really concrete. Do you know what I mean? It was all that kind of like for me. As soon as Sunderland showed a real interest, do you know what I mean, like with an offer and stuff like that, I was just like right, go down and prove myself at Sunderland. And as I said, it wasn't really. A, it's not a stepping block because if we went up and I'd done well, then there was no other club that you'd rather be at in the championship than Sunderland, do you know what I mean? So yeah. it was kinda of, it was a no brainer really. So but yeah, that's that's kinda of thought process and then obviously it never worked out as much as we would have liked as a team man personally. With Jack Ross, I think at the time, obviously really highly rated, still highly rated Jack Ross. It didn't really work out with Sunderland towards the end, but how did Jack Ross sell the, the Sunderland project to you? Because although it felt fresh and new we had just been relegated twice and I know he was really desperate to bring you in and he probably thought other people were like looking at you. So I imagine he really wanted to give you the hard sell, but how did he sell it to you? I think just um, everything, like, as I, you basically just covered most of it there. Fair, like, the, he knew my game, do you know what I mean? He was Scottish, he, he watched the games, he knew my game. Um, and as, as I went down, it was the, the facilities, the training ground, the stadium, the fan base, everything, do you know what I mean? And as I said, it's the whole, if we can get this club out of this league, who knows what can happen, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the the possibilities were endless, really. So it was, and I already knew the size of the club, do you know what I mean? And even still, it's it's a huge club. So players are still, even though you think, ah, League One, but it's still, it's still the club, do you know what I mean? It's still huge. And if you can get it right, then it's it's a great place to be. As someone who's played for for Celtic, won leagues with Celtic, same with Hibs as well, two huge clubs. How does the pressure at Sunderland compare to like maybe the pressure at somewhere like Celtic, even though you're in League One? Because obviously Celtic one of the biggest clubs in the world, and Hibs are a huge club as well. But how does yeah. that pressure compare, like Celtic winning the leagues to Sunderland in League One? I think um, it's tough because Sunderland are obviously. They just come back to back relegations, so already the fans had every right to be upset. Do you know what I mean? And frustrated and worried about what's happened to the club. Do you know what I mean? Because they've just spent X amount of years in the Premier League, yeah. battling with the big boys. Do you know what I mean? And now it's like right, League One. So the expectations of right, we're just going to go straight back up here was obviously that was the main thing, and everybody thought we would. But when you actually strip it back and look at it. They had to build a new squad basically. When I signed, they hardly had any players. Mm-hmm. They had to build a full squad, not really a lot of money to spend. Obviously, they go and spend a few a few bob with Will Greg and stuff like that a year or two later. But at that time, it was like most of the boys that come in, like myself, are free transfers yeah. or loans and stuff. Like that, I mean, from other clubs. So they, you're trying to build a team, and the, the fans have just been through the heartache of two years, and the whole thing, do you know what I mean, was, was tough. And it, it's hard on Jack Ross, you know what I mean, to kind of come in, face that, and try to turn it around, which he kind of nearly did, do you know what I mean? Like, really, when you think about it, it was one kick, a ball, one kick of the ball away for kind of promotion. So he was so close, do you know what I mean, to turning it around, and it would have been a fairy tale. And then it went the other way, and it was like, right. And it kind of got harder and harder, I think, for even the players, the fans, the staff, everybody, because you're expected to just go and can to the league and get promoted, which a club at Sunderland 
you would expect, but obviously things in football don't work out like that. You know, I mean, you don't really get everything that you deserve or you, you should get. So um, I totally get all sides. I mean, I get the fans' frustration. I get the players. I get everything. Do you know what I mean? It's, it was tough. It was tough. With um, Jack Ross himself, obviously, like I touched on before, he seemed really desperate to get you, and it definitely felt like your signing was like the most pivotal one from from his side. A lot of people asked a few questions and said, you know, will he ask Dylan, you know, why he felt he didn't get much of a chance under Jack Ross? But rather than asking that question, what I wanted to ask was, how was your relationship with Jack Ross? Was it still quite a good one, despite the fact you were sort of in and out of the team? Yeah, I said that to anyone that can ask me about it, like what happened and stuff, and it was. Listen, like we didn't fall out of anything. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like he would still speak to me, like day to day at training and stuff like that. Like we, we still had a good relationship. Do you know what I mean? And even still, when I came back up to Aberdeen, we played heads before the lockdown. Over how you doing before the game, after the game? Do you know what I mean? And uh, the assistant potsy and stuff like that. Everything like I still speak to him. Do you know what I mean? So it wasn't anything like major. It was just it was just football. Do you know what I mean? It was just I see it from my side. He sees it from his side. That he's got to manage a team. And I'm worried about I want to be playing. Do you know what I mean? So it's hard. I think as a manager, it's hard. He's he's dealing with a lot of different things and a lot of different pressures for all different sides. And for me, the frustrations, no getting as much game time as I thought I, I should be getting. Do you know what I mean? So I think from both sides, there was a bit of frustration with each other. And as I said, football, 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 in it is sometimes yeah. sometimes you go and kick on, you do really well, and you play every game, or sometimes. As a team, you might not be getting results, so the manager's got to change it up. And sometimes, as a player, you'll get frustrated with that and question it, and have we arguments and stuff. But even if we did disagree, we'd always still be good relationship. Do you know what I mean? So credit yeah. to to Jack, to be fair, and I'm glad that we kind of still we could still pick up the phone and speak to each other. Do you know what I mean about things like that? So. Um, there was nothing, nothing um, major really. With Jack Ross as, as he was. I think obviously he got the sack, but I think a lot of people in the football club at the time felt quite disappointed by that. And despite the difficulties that we were experiencing on the pitch, like linking away and stuff like that when he did get sacked, I think what came out after a while was that he was dealing with a lot more than just managing a football team. And it seemed like everyone seemed to quite like him and connect with him. You mentioned about Alan Stubbs before being like one of the boys. Was Jack Ross similar to that as well? I would say so. I would say so. As I said, he had a good relationship with everyone, um, even like, boys that won the plane, which is hard because boys are frustrated, do you know what I mean? And it can kind of cause a bit of friction and stuff, but like myself and stuff, like, I still had a good relationship. Obviously, I would, I'd rather play more often than not, but you still you still had a good relationship with, with, more, with everybody, I would say. And I think the staff as well, I think that was a major part of his, his coaching as well about mm-hmm. the place was... They were all one. Do you know what I mean? He, he, would, he knew everybody's names about the place, the to the top, to the bottom. Do you know what I mean? He would always welcome everybody and make them feel part of things. And I think they appreciated that. And as you said, that's why probably quite a lot of people were maybe a wee bit upset than when he got when he got them when he got sacked. So yeah, as again, it's football and Jack will probably tell you that that's just what happened in football. Do you know what I mean? And you, you do what you can, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And you move on, and as I said, he's moved on to Hibs, and he's done pretty well. So it's just, um, it's just a part of football, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Looking at the players you played alongside, obviously you played alongside Max Power, Catamore, George Honeyman, Ledbetter, and latterly George Dobson. Personally, I thought you played the best with George Honeyman. 
but that's just my opinion. Who did you think you played best with? It's hard. It's hard. Um, obviously, it's just depending on results and stuff, isn't it? Like, I think mm-hmm. me and Max, me and Max played a few times together in the cup games. I think against like Sheffield United and kind of teams like that, Burnley and stuff. Yeah, and we done well. Do you know what I mean? So it's like they were kind of big games that you remember. But I played with Grant. I think we're all good players. Do you know what I mean, we're all similar. We're all comfy on the ball. Do you know what I mean? And want to get the ball down and pass it. Do you know what I mean? And I think we, we play well. I think that was made one of the kind of, no problems, but that was maybe one of the kind of headaches the manager had that we were all good players. Do you know what I mean? And it was trying to think who's best with who. Do you know what I mean? And chopping and changing. And as you said, if you maybe don't get a good result, it's like right two out, two in. Do you know what I mean? It was like, it, it's hard. Do you know what I mean? For a manager to get the right, the right fit. And then you would go on a wee run for a few weeks and do well and then maybe get a bad result and then it was like right we'll try this and that do you know what I mean and different formations and stuff like that so it was it was t- difficult but I couldn't really say I was I preferred to play with a certain player do you know what I mean I was just kind of when I got my chance to play I just wanted to do as well as I could and hopefully the team done well as, and got the results I'm probably jumping too far ahead here and I will jump back but when Parkinson came in, I think I think Jack Ross liked to play football a bit, and I think very much, you know, you are a footballer, and I don't want to criticise Parkinson, but he is a different style of football to Jack Ross. When Parkinson came in, did you feel a little bit like the writing was on the wall for you? Yeah, I think I think after the first couple of days, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to play. As you said, I wanted to play football and stuff, and so obviously I, I I'm kind of I play it once they got on the ball and get the ball down, and pass it, and stuff, and I think after. A couple of days, you can kind of get the feeling that he was going to maybe go route one now and get it forward and play off second balls and stuff. So I knew after that, I think his first game, he left me out. I wasn't even on the, in the squad. Yeah. Because um, he went against Wickham, I think it was. And um, just I just kind of knew for then that it wasn't going to work out. I think his previous teams that he's done well with, that's the kind of style we played. I think it was Bolton maybe that he just kind of got it forward and played off it so I knew that it wasn't going to suit me to be honest Yeah In terms of when Jack Ross went and we went through that really horrible period of time where I think we won like 2-13 and 13, how difficult was that period because I remember you didn't really get a chance during that time either I think the Scunthorpe game you came in but in generally you stuck with a team that didn't include yourself and we were losing game after game after game. Was that quite annoying that you weren't like getting the chance? I wouldn't say no getting the chance because I, I had enough opportunities, do you know what I mean, to kind of keep my place. I think a lot of other things come into it, do you know what I mean? Like I had a wee niggle or two here and there, the kind of maybe the wrong period where I was just starting to do well, do you know what I mean? So I always be fair that way and take it responsibility myself, do you know what I mean? That I could have done a bit better. But then obviously I think there's times where I, I feel I could have stayed in the team. Now, I'm giving another chance if he did get a bad result, but I get took out. And maybe I thought that was unfair. But yeah. that's the manager's call. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's why he's, he's there. And you can't really criticise him for that. But as a player, you're frustrated with that. So I think um, I can look at some situations where that's probably, I felt like that was the case. But then a lot of times where I had the opportunity, do you know what I mean? And maybe never took it as much as I should have. But it's not just um, as a team as well. I think most of the boys are. If you spoke to most of the boys, they never really played as well as they could have. Do you know what I mean, a lot of time, and on paper, we probably had the best team. Do you know what I mean, in the league, but we never really got it together, and we never done it often enough. So, yeah, I think we can all look at ourselves. Do you know what I mean, and kind of all look at ourselves and our performances and that, and know that we could probably done a bit more. And 
the manager will probably say that he could have done things differently that in hindsight he would have. But again, as I said, it's football in it and it's just you've got to call it as you see it. I think it's really honest of you though. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's incredibly I honest. I'm not going to cry about not getting opportunities. Do you know what I mean? Because I had enough games and maybe if I maybe I didn't have a good game or the team didn't play well or it's it's not up to one individual. Do you know what I mean? I can I play well and the team play poor and do you know what I mean? And we win games. Do you know what I mean? As collectively, we've got to more often than not produce. Do you know what I mean? And maybe sometimes we never. And um, but then we had wee runs where we actually did, and we had like yeah. a few cup runs and stuff like that where we did, and we done well and stayed in the team. And so it was kind of a bit of both. Do you know what I mean? And in the end, we lost it with fine margins. Do you know what I mean? And it's hard to take, but again, it's football. Talking about the the dressing room as well, though, touching on the players there. Um, it did seem like it was quite a close-knit group, though, despite the fact that I think, and you're right in what you're saying, honestly, we weren't good enough for points, but the likes of, like, obviously, Geeds, um, Chris Maguire, there's a lot of Scottish boys in there. Like, what what was Aidan and Chris, like, in the dressing room, um, being a you know fellow Glaswegian and stuff like that? Did you connect with them quite a bit? Obviously, I think... Yeah, I think anywhere you go, it'll be the same with anyone, somebody from your kind of own area, like Glasgow and stuff, if you go into a dressing room, that's probably the ones you gravitate to, do you know what I mean? Because you've got the most in common and they know the Scottish game, talk about Celtic Rangers and all that. And it was just a bit of banter, do you know what I mean? And, and then Sparky obviously comes in as well. So there was a good few of us from Glasgow and Scotland. So um, obviously that's the ones you kind of probably spend more time with. But I think I had a good relationship with, with all the boys, um, Match Power, all the kind of boys. Like, um, they were great lads, do you know what I mean? So it was kind of, obviously there was when Jack came in, he brought a few Scottish staff down and players and yeah, um, you end up spending probably more time with them but um, great relationship with, with, with everyone and as I said, it was just on the pitch. Aidan McGeady, were you quite surprised you got moved out of the squad? Yeah, I think, I don't know exactly what happened to be honest, it was just, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was just like one day. It was just like right. He's he's not here anymore, and you don't really want to ask too many questions. I mean, because then I wasn't playing much either myself, so mm-hmm. I kind of knew I was going to eventually leave as well. So it was kind of it was up to Aiden to deal with that. Do you know what I mean? And what was going on? So I think I, I don't think anything major happened. To be honest, I think it was just a decision that was made that that was what was going to happen and. Maybe the players kind of knew that anything or know of anything major that happened. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. On the more sort of good things, I suppose. I remember this quite well. The Checker Trade Trophy was obviously a great experience. I know it ended in defeat, but it was one of those games where the final was a finally wanted to win, but it was about the day. Crazy atmosphere, and I do remember when the team got into King's Cross. I remember yeah. you specifically being one of the players that kind of were at the forefront of seeing what was coming in. What was the atmosphere like for the entire day, like coming in off King's Cross, getting into the stadium? What was that like? Oh, it was mental. Absolutely mental. It was just, um, you see the full force of the, the, the fan base over London that day, that weekend. It was just chaos. And I think, obviously I've been placed with the Celtic and stuff like that, and it's similar. And it felt like that, do you know what I mean? You knew you're at a big club. Do you know what I mean, like you only get that at big clubs. Like I've been places with Celtic and stuff like that, and they've done the exact same thing. Took over cities. As soon as you arrive, they follow the bus and all that, and it's mental. And that weekend was the exact same. The whole way down, you could feel the the, the atmosphere. Do you know what I mean, you could just feel it. 
getting to the stadium and stuff like that and the buzz about the place and um, as you said, it ends in Harker, but the whole the whole situation was the whole weekend was phenomenal and again it's memories that you'll you'll live forever. Do you know what I mean you're taking your career and glad that you got to experience it? Yeah. Then you went back, obviously a few months later, bit of a different performance, probably a bit of a different atmosphere, the Charlton game to be fair. And as far as I remember, I think you're injured for that yeah. game because I don't think you were on the even on the bench for that game as far as as far as I can remember which is typical that Max Powell would get injured within about five minutes. Um, Fair enough. But I'm guessing you were probably in the dressing room with the team at that time. What was the mood like in the dressing room after that game? After the game? Um, I actually wasn't injured. I just wasn't in the squad. But the um, Max obviously gets injured in the first couple of minutes. First minute, probably, I would say, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. the first minute. Really early. Um, yeah. I think the the whole day was just like a blur, really, to be honest, because everybody's thinking, right, we're gonna go to um we're gonna go to penalties here or whatever. They they just the the ball hits the back of the net, do you know what I mean? And in a in a second it was that was it. Do you know what I mean? It was done. It was more like a shock. Do you know what I mean? Like you just weren't expecting it. And I think the the dressing room was the same thing. It was just like everybody was just kinda like disbelief really what just happened. The the goal was in, do you know what I mean? And it's like the whole season just wiped. And half a now the one kick at all, so it's it's hard thing in football. Do you know I mean that's you obviously get highs and you get lows, and that was one of the major lows. Do you know I mean? And I think we all felt it. Do you know what I mean? And as players and the staff and the fans, we all felt it that weekend. Who was like the first to speak? Because obviously, I imagine it was a quiet dressing room for a while. But who was the first one to speak? And I think it was the manager. I think Jack Ross. I can't remember too much. As I said, it was just like a, you were a bit like shocked. Do you know what I mean? With what just happened, like. I think, but I think manager spoke to us about the season and how we're going to need to pick ourselves back up in that and learn from it and the the feeling that we had the now that we, we need to remember that and hopefully no happen again. I mean that kind of thing, but it's hard to to say anything in these kind of things. I mean, like mm-hmm. you're speaking about emotions and anything. So and as players, it's hard to take in as well because you're just that devastated with what just happened so it's kind of you're not really listening properly but yeah it was a hard it was a hard time and um, it was a hard one to take got two more for you last one on Sunday yeah. I don't like ending on negatives what was your favourite memory from your time at Sunday what do you take as kind of like the best thing that happened I think obviously the, the, the trips to Wembley were excellent I think that was a major positive for me being there I think that was great um, but obviously learning a lot about myself and moving down to England do you know what I mean and that kind of experience and I, I take a lot from that as well do you know what I mean and you can sometimes you can take a lot of positives from a negative do you know what I mean like maybe didn't work out as great but I take a lot from it do you know what I mean that moving forward um, so again it was a good learning curve um, and a great experience. Like it wasn't all negative. Do you know what I mean it was all a lot of good, a lot of good times. Do you know what I mean good people getting to play in Stadium of Light and getting to Wembley's and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean They're playing a lot of big teams and good memories with good people. So I would say um, I've got a lot more highs and lows to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Regarding obviously you now back. You've obviously got a little one. That's just came into the world, you you settled up, you've gone back to Aberdeen, you've gone back to the Scottish Premiership. Um, Aberdeen are a huge club. 
a huge club that can challenge for Europe and, and the title every single season. Yeah. Let's not let's not deny that. What are your hopes for the future um, of Aberdeen yeah. and yourself as part of that? I think um, we're disappointed. Obviously, the league finished early because I think we felt as if we had an opportunity to finish third. Yeah, um, so we're disappointed with that. Um, but I think that the club's been up there third for the last how many years? So I think that's our main priority. And obviously, we've got a chance to get Europe as well. So, I think European football for this club would be excellent. So, um, as I said, I didn't have a lot of time playing-wise before the lockdown. So, really, I think hopefully when it starts back, I can really kick on. And that will be the start of my kind of Aberdeen career. Should be glimpses here and there. Maybe the last game, probably my best game against Hibs. Yeah. Um, I would say. So, hopefully, I can. that's the kind of wee glimpse that I've shown people that I can do. And... Hopefully I can get back to that standard again when we open back up and um as I said, successful time at Hibs and stuff like that when I played regularly. So hopefully I can do the same at Aberdeen and be successful and hopefully bring bring a trophy or two to this club that we we, we should be aiming for. Perfect. Dylan, thanks very much. Appreciate it, mate. No problem at all. Cheers. When you call my name, it's